Well, today we continue our series from the Old Testament. Last week, we looked at David's call to be king of Israel, and today we look at the story of David and Goliath. I think the story of David and Goliath is meaningful to all of us because we all face some sort of giant in our life. I know that as adults, oftentimes we think, well, young people really don't have giants to face. But I can tell you, when I was in school and had certain tests, they were giants. Or I was assigned a term paper to write, that was a giant. And so there were some giants that I had to face as a young person. And then, of course, there's the getting the date giant. I mean, how do I get that girl to go out with me? How do I get her to accept? that? That's a giant. And then looking good giant. I mean, when you're young, you want to look good. Now, I, I, I don't know what it is, Eli. I don't know if we're supposed to be cool or hot, but it's it, whatever it is, that's what you want to be. So there are all these giants, even that young people have to face. But then, to be fair, sometimes young people look at older people and say, well, they don't have any giants because they have lived long enough that they've worked everything out. And they don't have any problems now, but there are some giants that we have to face too. There's the unemployment giant that keeps on growing. There are bills that have to be paid. There are marital issues that have to be dealt with. And you know, you continue to fight until you get to the place where you're just too tired to fight. And so there are marital issues and health issues. There are all these things that we have to deal with. And so probably that is the reason the story is meaningful to us, because we all have giants. So today what I want to do is to give you four principles in dealing with giants. Take your Bible, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning in verse number 1. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at Soka, which belongs to Judah, and they camped between Soka and Azekai and Ephesdamon. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array to encounter the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, while Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with the valley between them. Then a champion came out from the armies of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. And he had a bronze helmet on his head. And he was clothed with scale armor which weighed 5,000 shekels of bronze. He also had bronze greaves on his legs and a bronze javelin slung between his shoulders. And the shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and the head of his spear weighed 600 shekels of iron. His shield carrier also walked before him. And he stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel and said to them, Why do you come out to draw up in battle array? Am I not the Philistine and you servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will become your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall become our servants and serve us. Again, the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Four principles in dealing with giants. Number one, don't look for giants, but be prepared when you encounter them. 
Now, David wasn't looking for a giant. In fact, if you look down in verse number 17, then Jesse said to David, his son, Take now for your brothers an ephod, this roasted grain, and these ten loaves, and run to the camp to your brothers. Bring also these ten cuts of cheese to the commander of their thousand, and look into the welfare of your brothers, and bring back news of them. So David wasn't looking for a giant. He was taking food to the field of battle. But he was prepared. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it is important that you are prepared for the time when you encounter giants because they are very intimidating. They are intimidating because they are giants because of their size. Now, understand that Goliath was a big rascal. In fact, Kevin Weeks wrote, he was huge. He stood nine and a half feet tall and wore bronze armor that weighed 5,000 shekels, 125 pounds. He wore bronze greaves, which are like shin guards to protect his legs, and had a javelin and a spear with an iron point that alone weighed about 600 shekels. That's 15 pounds. He was massive. So, Giants intimidate us because of their size, because they are big. In fact, when Moses sent the spies into the promised land to spy out the the land, they came back and said, the Nephilim are there, which are the giants. And you recall that when they saw the Nephilim, the giants that were there, they concluded, and in comparison, we look like grasshoppers. I mean, we, we are small compared to giants. Now, our giants are huge to us, whatever they are. Whether it's paying your bills, or whether it's a health issue, or whether it's a marital issue, or whether it's writing a term paper, the thing is, is that giants are intimidating to us because of their size, but not only do they look scary, they also sound scary. In fact, if you look down in verse number 10, it says again, the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. The word defy that is used there literally means to taunt, to ridicule, to humiliate. In other words, when Goliath came out to face the army, he was talking trash to them. He he was defying them, humiliating them, saying that it took the heart right out of them. Now, how did they respond when they heard that? Because it sounded scary. Well, the Bible says that they were greatly afraid. In verse number 11, when Saul and Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. So here is this nine-and-a-half-foot man who came out defying them, talking trash to them, and the Bible says that they were scared, and then it says that they fled in verse number 24. When all the men of Israel saw the man, they fled from him and were greatly afraid. The fact is, giants are scary. Whatever giant you are facing, it's scary, isn't it? I mean, because they are big, because they are threatening, and giants are scary, no matter what giant we face. Now, because they are, we need to evaluate and ask, now, is this a real giant, or is it a false giant? Some giants are real. Now, I heard about a man who went to a psychologist, and in talking with the psychologist, he said, "Um, I have an inferiority complex. And I need you to help me with it. Well, she said, well, let me do some tests. And 
And uh, so she did the test with him and so forth. And then she came back and said, well, you, you don't have an inferiority complex. He said, I don't. She said, no, you're really inferior. So there are, there are some giants that are real. And Goliath was a real giant. If you look in verse number 4, a champion came from the armies of the Philistine named Goliath. His height was six cubits, nine and a half. And he, he, was, he, he was real. The Nephilim were real. They were giants in the promised land, no doubt about it. So they were real, and some of our giants are real. Folks, we face some giants that are real today. And one of the giants that we face that is real is Satan, who is an adversary who wants to destroy you. In fact, Simon Peter wrote, Be, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I don't see a demon behind every bush, but there are demons out there, and Satan is real. He is a real adversary. And we need to understand that he is stalking us to destroy us, to lead us away from God, to trip us up. Folks, you need to understand that it is a real giant. There are some of you who have a real giant you're facing in a, in a health issue. It's not psychosomatic. Some of you have some real issues concerning your health. Some of you have some real issues concerning your finances. There are some giants that are real, and then there are some that are false. They are like the Wizard of Oz. They appear to be giants when in reality they are not. Now, the Nephilim were giants, according to the Bible, but they were not gigantic obstacles. And the reason I say that is because when Joshua and Caleb were giving their report about the giants in the promised land, they said, but they are but bread for us. Yes, they were giants, but he says, but they are but bread for us. Many of our giants appear to be giants when in reality they are not. Some are real, some are not. Therefore, we need to be prepared when we encounter what we believe to be a giant. David wasn't looking for a giant, but he was prepared when he came upon one. He was prepared physically. David was a shepherd boy, and in the area of Israel, there are lots of rocks. And he was pretty good with the sling. What do you think he did all the time he was out there? I mean, he didn't have, you know, these video games to play. What do you think he did when he, he had his sling? He's throwing rocks everywhere. He's hitting things. And as a result of that, he was prepared when he came upon the giant. He was prepared physically. He was also prepared mentally. In verse number 37, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, He will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go and may the Lord be with you. In other words, if he could face down a bear and a lion as a shepherd boy, then why in the world should he be scared of this giant? He was prepared physically. He was a good shot with a sling. He was prepared mentally, and he was also prepared spiritually. As a shepherd boy, David understood that the shepherd had the responsibility of taking care of the sheep. That's what a shepherd did. Now, who was his shepherd? His shepherd was God. The Lord is my shepherd. 
So he understood that because the Lord was his shepherd, that he was, he was prepared to face the giant spiritually. So when I look at David, David was prepared. He was prepared physically. He was a good shot with a sling. He was prepared mentally. If he could face off a bear and a lion, he could face off this giant. He was prepared spiritually because he understood God was a shepherd. Now, how do you prepare for the giants in life? And some of you are dealing with some today. How do you prepare for those giants? Well, folks, I would say to you, first of all, immerse yourself in the Word of God. There's tremendous strength in the Word of God. And you do a tremendous disservice to yourself when, when the, only, the only Scripture you get is the little bit that you get here on Sunday morning. I was blessed by your daughter when she told the story a while ago about, about David because that says to me that, that she's been in the Word. See, It is so important that you hide the Word of God in your heart, that you spend time in the Word of God. David said in Psalm 119.11, Thy Word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against thee. If you are going to be able to successfully face the giants in life, then you have to immerse yourself in the Word of God. And then spend time with the Lord in prayer. Mark 11:24 says, Therefore I say to you all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they shall be granted you. Folks, if you are going to be able to face the giants in life, then you're going to have to spend time in the Word of God, immerse yourself in the Word of God, spend time with the Lord in prayer, and then rather than live your life in fear, you live in joy. You know why joy is so important? Well, let me read this, Nehemiah 8.10. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Don't look for giants, but be prepared. And the way the believer is prepared is to spend time in the Word of God, spend time in prayer, and live a joyful life with faith in Christ. The second principle is measure giants against God, not against yourself. Now, if we measure our giants against ourselves, then we are going to be intimidated by them. But if we measure our giants against God, then that gives us courage. And David had courage. Look at verse number 26b. It pleased David to become... No, I'm on the wrong one there. 26b. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? you know what happened with David? David saw Goliath nine and a half feet tall. But then he saw God. And he said, who is this giant to taunt the armies of the living God? And he had courage as a result of it. I look at the disciples who were called before the authorities of Rome, and the disciples were told, don't speak anymore in Jesus' name. And the disciples said, are we supposed to listen to you, or do we listen to God? And the Scripture says that they went out to turn the world upside down for Jesus Christ. Why? Because they saw the Lord. They saw the giant, yes, the Roman Empire. They saw the giant. But they also saw the Lord and said, we are going to be obedient to God. They saw Him. Folks, that's the thing that is important is that we see the giants, but we measure them against the Lord. And that will give you courage. 
I'm proud of my children, and you, you know that. My grandchildren, when my daughter was in college, she went to, uh, to a Baptist university, and I spoke with her before she left, and I said, Honey, you're going to hear things there that you are going to be contrary to what you have been taught by your dad. And I only ask that whenever you have questions that we discuss them, talk about them, which we did. But one time she was going over to get her grades, and she had been in a class, and, and it was the usual things, you know, that are said about the unreliability of the first 11 chapters of Genesis and the story of creation and that the, that the Egyptian army drowned in two feet of water and all that nonsense. And because, you know. And her professor came out and saw her out looking for her grades. And so he said, uh, Stephanie, I, I know that you are looking at your grades. Was there anything in the class that I said this year that you didn't agree with or anything you had problems with? And this is where I'm proud of her. And she called his name, Dr. So-and-so said, you know, in, in one of the first classes we had, you said that you have to take a lot of things in life with a grain of salt. And he said, I remember that. She said, well, you said a lot of things I took with a grain of salt. Now, that is the courage that the Lord gives us whenever we face the giants of life. And when we see God, rather than just the giant, if we compare ourselves to the giant, we are intimidated. But if we see the Lord, then that gives us courage and it gives us confidence. And David had confidence. Now, look at verse number 25 here. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who's coming up? Surely he is coming up to defy Israel. And it will be that the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Then David spoke to the men who were standing by him. So David overhears this, saying, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in accord with this word, saying, Thus it will be done for the man who kills him. You know what David was doing? He overheard them talking about what the benefit was going to be for conquering Goliath. And he was already so confident that he was ready to put the trophy on his desk. What is it I'm going to get? Talk about confidence. Here is this shepherd boy out there with a nine-and-a-half-foot giant. But he had such confidence he was already counting the victory. You see, if you see the Lord, dear friend, no matter what your giant is, he'll give you confidence. He'll give you courage to face the giant. He'll give you confidence. And uh, when we have that, then we are committed to the Lord. In verse number 32, And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail on account of him, your servant, and go out and fight this Philistine. He was committed to the fight. I, I, I love David because of the courage that he had and because of the confidence that he had in the Lord. He was already counting on defeating Goliath. He had, there was no question in his mind as to whether or not he was going to win this battle. He was committed to the Lord. He was going to go out and fight the giant. So measure your giants against God, not against yourself. Third principle, face your giants now, not later. Now, David had reason to wait until later to go against the giant. First of all was his age. In verse number 33, then Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For you are but a youth while he has been a warrior from his youth. 
David could have said, you know, I, I mean, I'd like to do it, but some of you guys are more older and more experienced than I. Y'all go and do it. But he did not allow his youth to keep him out of the battle. Young people, it's important for you to know, I think, that most of the great revivals that have happened in the land, young people have been the catalyst for those revivals. Did you know that? Most great revivals that have happened have come out of young people. The Great Welch Revival, you perhaps are not familiar with it, but changed a continent. came out of a youth group. And there were a bunch of young people together, and they were giving testimony and praying and talking about the Lord and what God was doing. There was one girl who stood up, and she began to say, Oh, I, I do love Jesus. I do love Jesus. And somehow the Holy Spirit was able to take that, and the Great Welch Revival came out of that. You see, David could have said, no, I'm going to wait until I'm older, but he didn't. And then, of course, he didn't have the right armor either. In verse number 38, if you look there, Saul clothed David with his garments, put a bronze helmet on his head, and he clothed him with armor. So Saul gave him his armor. And David girded his sword over his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And so David said to Saul, I can't go with these. I've not tested them. And, and David took them off. You see, David could have said, no, I'm not going to fight this. I'm not going to fight this, uh, this giant because I'm too young and I don't have the right armor to do it. Deal with your giants now, not later. Don't wait till later. We need to deal with the giants that we face now because the enemy is too near and potential victory is too close. I'd read the story of Florence Chadwick, who attempted to swim from Catalina to the California coast back in 1952. Fog came in while she's swimming. And she became disoriented and discouraged and so forth, and she gave up her quest only to discover that she was 300 yards from her goal. Folks, I want you to know that now is the right time for you to do some things. You can come up with all kinds of reasons that this is not the right time, but this is the right time for a lot of... This is the right time for us to get serious about the Lord and our walk with the Lord. This is the right time for some of you to commit your life to Jesus Christ and become a believer, to become a follower of Christ. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, Behold, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. I know that some of you, the Spirit of God will deal in your heart and draw you to Christ, but you say, well, I'm going to do it later. I'm just not going to do it now. I'm going to do it when I get married. I'm going to do it whenever I have children. I'm going to do it some other time. No, now is the time. Now is the time. Now's the time for some of you to join the church. You've been wrestling about it, talking about it, praying about it, and so forth. And the Holy Spirit has been guiding you to do that. And you've been putting it off for this reason or for that reason. Now is the time to do that. Find a church and get involved in it. Now is the time to get serious about it. Now you have enough money to do whatever it is that God's leading you to do. And I say that because we live in some really trying economic times. We all know that. There's some real challenges out there. But God has the resources for us to do whatever it is that He calls us to do. I was watching a golf match uh, not long ago, and the one where Tom Watson was playing, playing in Turnberry, and I watched, and I told Lynn, I said, You know, I'd like to play golf at Turnberry. She said, Well, why don't you? I said, Because it costs too much. 
She said, well, you can spend the money now and go over there and play golf in Turnberry. You can be in a nursing home later wishing you had it. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things we ought to do now. I'm not saying to be irresponsible, but I'm saying there are a lot of things that we ought to do now. Face your giants now, not later. The fourth principle, today's victories come out of yesterday's experiences. You see, God gives us experiences in the past that prepares us for victory today. Look at verse number 36. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them since he has taunted the armies of the living God. Now, David had fought the bear and the lion yesterday that prepared him to fight Goliath today. The experience of yesterday had prepared him for his giant today. And ladies and gentlemen, the experiences that you have had in the past have been to prepare you for the giants you face today. So what advice do we have? Well, ignore the doubts of others because they're always doubters like the Hebrew army. They're always doubters. And if you listen to them, you're not going to do much. So ignore the doubters. Let them doubt. You go on. Remember your experiences that God has brought to your life to prepare you for victory today. Rely on God. It's not our age that matters. It's not our armor that matters. It is God who matters. And then act boldly. Act boldly as you face the giants. I heard about a preacher who was, had gone for a walk in the woods. He's walking over this bridge. And uh, a bear appears out of nowhere and raises up. And when he does, the preacher jumps off the bridge into the water and floats to safety. Well, on Wednesday night, he's telling his congregation about his experience, how this bear came out. He jumped into the water and floated to safety. There's a little boy came up to him and said, Preacher, when you saw that bear, did you pray? And he said, son, prayer is good in a prayer meeting, but it don't do much in a bear meeting. <laughs> if you wait until you encounter the bear to pray, my friend, you probably waited too late. If you've waited until the giant shows up, to get right with God, you probably waited too late. Don't look for giants, but be prepared because you're going to face them. Measure your giant against God, not against yourself. And face your giant now, not later. And God will give you victory. Our Father, we come to a time of invitation as we look at our lives and allow you to speak to us. And I pray, Father, that as the invitation is extended, that people might respond courageously in faith with deep commitment to Jesus Christ. Bless this time, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to stand. The choir is going to sing a hymn of invitation. And it's your opportunity to trust the Lord as your Savior, to join the church, whatever God's leading you to do. But do it now, not later. If this is the day, do it now. Stand with me, please. As they sing, you come, I'll greet you as you do.